0: Hello, and welcome to the Green Tea Party,
1: where we discuss conservative solutions to environmental problems. I'm Katie Zekreski.
0: My name is Zach Twoppy. Together, we will guide you through complex issues and provide strategies to address them,
1: all while remaining faithful to our conservative values.
0: Trust me, it'll be a good time.
1: Yeah, it's a party. So grab your mugs and we'll pour the tea. Alright everybody, welcome back to today's episode. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about one of my favorite topics. Y'all have heard me talk about this in several episodes, and that's how to have respectful dialogue when it comes to being a conservative in the climate movement. Obviously, you know, if you're conservative in the climate movement, you're getting a little bit of pushback from both sides, so it helps to have all the tools in your toolbox when it comes to being nice to folks and Explaining how you feel a certain way and being respectful about it.
0: Well, I'd like to start off by discussing some interesting things I saw in the past, uh, I guess, past debates from the Republican Yeah, tell,
1: tell me about that. Because I news think
0: you've, you've, debate.
1: Yeah, you've been like our debate guy. I I've, I feel like I am a pretty good representative of the, the general population, whenever, whenever news articles say, oh, nobody watches those anymore. And then people try to ask me about them. I'm like, well, I do know. They're not talking about me anyway. So, Zach, it sounds like you've been keeping up with them. So well, what all have you inferred from the last few debates?
0: Yes, I have suffered through the debates.
1: And, uh, <laughs> Bravely suffered through. If you if you sit through all of them, you get a free a free muffin at the local <laughs> bakery. That's <laughs> what GOPs just sent out to up the ratings. Right, right. <laughs> so one interesting
0: thing that I noticed in the second debate, I'm a Nikki Haley fan. I'll ramp to that. She was calling out Ron DeSantis as being an environmentalist. And the way she said it, it just felt like she was using it as like a slur. She's like, she's like Ron, you're an environmentalist. You protect the Everglades. I was like, I respect that. He like ran away from her a bit. He's like, I'm not an environmentalist too. I don't want to be an environmentalist. And he has like oh a God. decent track record with the environment because in Florida, everyone cares about the environment. You don't want to right. destroy it. The beautiful yeah, streets,
1: it's kind of like most everybody's. of Florida.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Florida usually has a very conservative but also environmentalist tilts but it's just funny that he ran away from it and then gavin newsom and his their little impromptu governor's debate which was entertaining a little also more nonsense gavin newsom also was like you're on you're all you're an environmentalist you care about the environment and he also he once again he ran away from it i'm like why why are we using this as like a slur to scare away conservatives and like push push them further away from the yard? like embrace it the other generation Wants you to understand that we care about the environment. We don't want to live in a dead, keep of world.
1: Welcome to 2023. Where the worst thing that an older person could be in the eyes of a conservative is an environmentalist. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually a great tie-in to what I want to talk about with you today, Zach. So I've got a question for you, and maybe your family is normal compared to mine. I've got a, I've got a suspicion a lot of people's families are normal compared to mine. Have you ever watched your family members get into like super heated debates, like red face, yelling, screaming, and, and you just kind of get roped in like it's got a gravitational pull, like especially around the holidays. Has that ever happened to you?
0: So I come from a family that's voted for, most of my family voted for Trump both 2016, 2020, mm-hmm. and I also have a sister, an older sister, who works for one of the- most progressive members of the Congress squad and so
1: my holidays, juicy get, gossip. my
0: holidays get very aggressive and yelling and lots of disagreements about policy and I feel like I'm always trying to mediate be like let's let's settle down here it's no need to get angry about this
1: Zach that probably puts you in a precarious situation because you're like you think the Green New Deal is dumb and a lot of these like progressive environmental policies but at the same time you're like well I do believe in environmental policies, period. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> the most hated person <laughs> in the room. <laughs> it's the one closest to being in the center. Oh, Lord, Zach. So it sounds like your family as well as mine and probably everybody else, is this uh, around this time of year could really take a look into how to have respectful dialogue surrounding politics and especially environmentalism. So I, I want to give a little bit of a backdrop or it's not just me saying that this is important all the time, okay? Like, I've got some, some stats here. Uh, so according to the uh, Pew Research Center poll from just a couple months ago, um, 65% of Americans say that they always or often feel exhausted when thinking about politics these days. So in addition to being ideologically polarized, the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace reports that Americans are even more emotionally polarized than they are politically polarized. So in other words... They don't like members of their uh, of the other party, and they often distrust them. And another recent poll by the uh, Public Religion Research Institute shows that 8 in 10 Republicans believe the Democratic Party has been taken over by socialists, while 8 in 10 Democrats believe the Republican Party has been taken over by racists. Um, and that report is aptly titled, Dueling Realities. And again, d- just another Pew Research Center poll from 2020 reveals that nearly 80% of Americans now have just a few friends or no friends at all across the aisle. And the animosity goes both ways. So that paints a pretty grim picture. <laughs> for yeah. Being able to, you know, make friends and keep them if you don't see politically eye to eye with them.
0: Which is just a terrible thing for our country in general. Like, it really shuts down the discourse and open dialogue that you need to, like, work and solve issues. Right. and. Everyone vilifies the other side now. It's like they are evil. They are evil for this. They are evil for that. It gets us nowhere. It just like leads to the name calling, Hillary calling conservatives deplorables. It's
1: right, and then the nasty women. And how about we just judge people? Well, maybe we shouldn't judge people. How about we just value people individually based on who they are as a person instead of who they vote for? That's a crazy idea. But I think it's worth mentioning. You know, we we can sit here and talk about the problem all day long. And I know I've brought this up in multiple episodes. What I think the issue is, um, but I want to talk with you a little bit, Zach, about some of the proposed solution that I, solutions plural that I have gathered from multiple platforms, multiple nonprofits, multiple organizations. And I I kind of condensed everything that I found down into. I think. Let me let me count here. Counting is not my strong suit. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, eight real main pieces of advice that seem to be the most effective when it comes to respectfully having a political conversation or discussion. And, and I'm going to use my aunt and uncle as an example here. Hi, Uncle Gary and Aunt Lisa. Love Uncle Gary and Aunt Lisa to death. But my God, there have been several holidays where I thought we were going to have the cops called on us. So I, I want to start with the first piece of advice that a lot of these platforms that I found and a lot of these reports and nonprofits that I found suggested. And then was to ask questions. So when Uncle Gary starts talking about the Italian satellites that the communists are using to change the votes and the ballot machines, it's worth asking him why he thinks that. Not just to figure out, you know, where he's getting this information, but being curious about somebody else's perspective and asking them these questions indicates that you're interested in what they have to say and where it is that they're getting their information and I I think that this piece of advice in particular highlights that you're establishing an effort of understanding instead of just belittling or chastising or judging and maybe it can even help you make you know better understand some of the concerns that somebody in your family might have in addition to fleshing out your own perspective.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important that when you disagree with someone, you ask questions and you figure out where they're coming from, why they think that, and
1: what their
0: what their basis of their um distrust of something is or where their where their opinion is coming from. Right. A lot of the deep things in between Republicans and Democrats can really come down to the concerns about the same topic, but just different solutions. And it's like right. both sides want to address the topic, but they have different solutions. And it's like we can come to an agreement, talk about this in a friendly way and work towards something. And it's much more productive than yelling.
1: Cool. And, and it's almost like that. It's almost like a trope where you and somebody are arguing about something and you argue about it. Like you're absolutely fighting for your life for like 20 minutes. And then finally, one of you says, oh, are you talking about that? No, I meant this. Oh, and then you like come to terms with it. Like, all of that could have been cut out if you just asked a couple questions. (laughs) So I think that, like, to hinge a whole discussion or a conversation on an assumption and not asking a question is just a recipe for a disaster, especially with a volatile topic like politics in general. So another piece of advice that I found, and this should be a bit of a no-brainer, but I liked how one of these nonprofits really went into depth about what this actually means but this piece of advice is to listen and not talk. Personally, this is the hardest for me. Obviously, you know, we're co-hosts on a radio show. You get to talk quite a bit, but it's just as important to listen. I-, I have a tendency to try to formulate my response to somebody while they're still talking. I admire people who can just, like, listen 100% of the time and then formulate their response, but alas, anxiety. But I think that engaging in meaningful dialogue means that you have to actively listen to what that other person is saying. So whether that's nodding, not interrupting, letting silence speak for itself, asking those clarifying questions that we just talked about, and repeating back to the person what you think you heard and how you understood it, I think all serve as productive ways of making the other person feel as though you're seeking their perspective, you're attempting to understand them, and you want their knowledge instead of just trying to formulate more information so you can graft a better attack.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You want to be an active listener and really understand their perspective. And that leads to much more productive dialogue. And I feel like that's part of talking and discussion that people are terrible at, especially in America. We do not like to listen. We'd like to, we're like, oh, we catch on to one thing they said and we're like, Oh, it doesn't matter if you talk for like another two minutes gonna right? come back to the thing you said like three sentences ago and like keyed in on that one topic. It's like, no, we need to listen to everything and understand what their point is.
1: I think my favorite example of this, especially over technology, is when somebody, and, and by the way, you should not have a political discussion over technology. This should be vocal, primarily in person, face to face. But I think my favorite example of not actively listening is when somebody lays out like, this extensive argument over text or on social media with, like, footnotes and references, but they misspell one word. And somebody's like, you misspelled Wednesday. Like, oh, the whole argument <laughs> crumples. <laughs> because I misspelled one word. So, yeah, I, I agree with you completely, Zach. Another one of my favorite pieces of advice that I was able to take from doing all this research was the importance of I-statements and I didn't really know what they meant by that until I read some of the examples. So when responding, it's really important to include I statements to emphasize your own humanity and your unique perspective instead of just giving the impression that your belief is like the absolute, like it's the the word, the law, the truth. So you, you would say, I believe abortion is wrong instead of saying abortion is wrong. Or I believe in climate change instead of saying climate change is real. So a lot of these opinion statements, and phrases are worded like, well, personally, I think, and they carry less animosity than when you really matter-of-factly deliver your statements.
0: Yeah, it's good to leave something more open-ended and leave leave it open for discussion for the other person to be like, jump in and be like, you believe this, I believe this, and then you can sparse the hairs there.
1: I like that idea of open-endedness, Zach, because I feel like if you just come in and you're like, climate change is real. Climate change is not real. Okay, then it is now the onus of whoever you're talking to to shuffle through their their Rolodex of mental information to be like, how do I disprove this statement? Which <laughs> shouldn't be your job, but a discussion. It also comes off as
0: very condescending when you don't leave it open for discussion and right. interpretation. And you're just like, I have a very intelligent friend who does this a lot where he's like, this is the fact, and blah, 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 blah. And doesn't leave it open for anyone to question it or like talk about it, and then like, no you're not going to get a discussion from anyone. You just end the conversation and no one's going to want to talk to you and you right. at that point you've lost the argument because no one's listening to you.
1: Yeah, and like everybody's completely shut off. They disengage because they know they can't win with you. Exactly. Which is something foreshadowing that we'll talk about later. So another piece of advice that I gathered was finding common ground. So, in my example, if Uncle Gary is a climate skeptic because he distrusts uh, big government and taxes it's worth saying hey Uncle Gary it sounds like you're skeptical of big government and you don't like taxes well we're in complete agreement there or it sounds like we have a lot of the same concerns and interests Uncle Gary and you could even say I think when you look at the big picture Uncle Gary we have a lot more in common than we originally thought I think that just re-emphasizing that no matter what your beliefs are who you vote for if you can emphasize. That we're all Americans, and we're all human, and we all want the same thing. Like you said earlier, Zach, we just have different ways of going about wanting that thing. I think that, out of everything that's on this list that we've talked about and that we will talk about, is one of the most crucial parts of having a political discussion with someone.
0: Yeah. We, at the basis, I think a lot of Americans agree on what the issues and what... and. Would like solutions to them, so it's good to come back down to that basis of solving the problem mm. and not getting caught in the uh, disagreements. I, used I to, uh,
1: go ahead, go a ahead. C-
0: a couple of years ago, I used to love starting with foreign politics because I feel like that's something that Americans can generally all agree on. They're like, "Oh yeah, Al Qaeda, Taliban, bad." Like right. that was a good <laughs> way to open political conversations and open a discussion. Be like, "We'll start from this agreement." Now, the past couple months, it's gotten much more controversial with everything going on.
1: So not a great place to start anymore. <laughs> now it's China bad, and that's yes. that's a pretty. <laughs> that's, that's a bipartisan issue. <laughs> so, like, hey, everybody, child slavery. Can we all be in agreement? Bad. Did not <laughs> The sweatshops bad. All right. <laughs> so, another one of the tips that's on this list is emphasizing humanity and emotion, and I, I like this point in particular. Because it emphasized that people don't just pick and choose their opinions like willy-nilly out of a hat. They formulate them through deeply personal experiences and the emotional processing that comes with that. So, if Uncle Gary is a climate skeptic because local meteorologists and climate scientists erroneously predicted a ice age in the 70s, I am in no means justified to invalidate his personal experience. And if Aunt Lisa supports gun control because she was robbed at gunpoint, I am nowhere at all allowed or even verifiably correct and telling her that she's wrong because I've got a fact sheet and she has PTSD. Ben Shapiro might say facts don't care about your feelings, but they should. They really should. And you have to be compassionate of people's emotions, even if you disagree with the opinion that their emotions are rooted in.
0: Yeah, we're we're an emotional creature. We decide things based on past experiences and what is going on in our life and how it connects to us. I always prefer to stick to logic and keep it the facts, but it is important to understand where people are going from when they're like, I have this personal experience that impacted me deeply, and you need to understand how to discuss with them based on their emotions and empathize with, em- empathize with them.
1: And I think part of that is even to some point knowing when to back off, um, and again, foreshadowing, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but if somebody is like very emotionally raw about a topic because of something that's happened to them, there, there's man, that's you can't really come at that from an I'm going to change your mind angle. Like it's very much a Do share with agreed. me your opinion, right? Share with me your opinion because of the experience that you've had. Obviously, I cannot change your experience and will not be able to change your opinion, but it's worth letting you know that there are or people who might not think exactly like you, who still care about your well being.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. Got to know when to walk away and <laughs> understand personal boundaries.
1: Right. This one is one of my personal favorites. I feel like I say that for every single one. All of these have been really good that I've like pulled together <laughs> from these different articles. Obviously, I picked the cream of the crop, but every single time I read one of these, I'm like, oh, I like that one. Oh, I like that one. This one was be aware of your own shortcomings. If you su- support if you support a sketchy politician, you better be ready to justify why. If somebody calls you on it, if you exclusively watch Fox News and nothing else, you are in no position to berate Uncle Gary for only watching Newsmax or Aunt Lisa for only watching CNN. You have to be aware of the limits of your own perspective and the beam in your own eye before you start pointing out the political speck in somebody else's eye. Yeah, it's
0: got to burst your bubble. Got to burst your own bubble. Understand other people's bubble. Yeah, uh, and
1: we have and to let us, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say we have to understand news literacy and, like everything we read will have a certain type of bias and you have to understand where that bias is going to be coming from. Like if you're reading something from Al Jazeera, they're gonna have a very Middle Eastern bias Ooh, and yeah, look at sure. things in a different direction. Versus if you're reading something from like box.
1: That that is one of my favorite but before I go into this minor soapbox, I'm I'm glad you said you have to burst your own bubble because if it came down to it I would rather have to burst my own bubble than somebody else do it for me and my entire point collapses. That's embarrassing. (laughs) So I think that like the more like personally aware, self-aware you are, the more likely you are to be able to admit a shortcoming in a discussion politically. But one of my favorite things to do as a journalist is to get together headlines from every news organization about a topic and try to figure out what their angle is. What words did they include in the headline? What words did they omit? Slammed. Yes, Bombarded. Yeah. Bombarded yeah, or even like when they start mentioning races and genders in the headlines, I'm like, "Oh yeah, we got a we got a live one over here. We know what what is going to be the focus of this article." I think so, this is... go ahead. You can be. No, no, that that was just it. it's just it's a, it's always funny for me to like cuz I've got like 600 different news apps installed on my iPad. When something happens, like they all come in at once, and I'm like, Are we all talking about the same thing this afternoon? Or
0: so <laughs> I'll plug, I'll plug a, an email newsletter I get. Called, it's called Ground News, and what they do is they go through different topics. and They're like, "Like 50% of or 40% of news outlets on the right are reporting this, but like only 10% of news outlets on the left are reporting this. And it gives oh, you like a nice cool. breakdown of how they have how, how it up. News outlets that is breaking it down. Awesome. Yeah. And then they'll even do, they'll grab like a major item and they'll grab the headlines from each major news site and be like, this is how they're reporting it. This is how they're wording it differently. So you can see how the like bias can like trickle in from each side and like what they, how they tweak what is actually going on. Like, like it's all factually true, but here's how oh, they like wow. tweak what they're saying yeah, to like, give it a certain exact
1: reaction. certain parts. Wow. Okay. Well, you, I hope they hire use their sales rep because I'm definitely going to subscribe to this as soon as we.
0: It's a wrap it's up. a great way to really put yourself out there and see how things are being perceived and like it shows you like weak spots where maybe if you're only getting from Fox News, you you will never hear this story.
1: That is so right. wild. Quickly compare coverage from fifty thousand news sources around the world. That is crazy. Oh yeah, I'm I'm going down the rabbit hole on that one later. Thank you for that, Sorry. <laughs> I know when I'm going to get bored of work tomorrow. <laughs> Fabulous. Another one that hits me in particular is a southerner is you've got to respect your elders. Zach and Hannah are not from the South, but I am. And for you Southern listeners, you absolutely better respect your elders, even if you disagree with them. I made the mistake during one family, I don't even know if it was a discussion, it was more like a political argument, like around the the dinner table. I made the mistake of telling a grandparent, well, I read in a book that, and he like laughed so hard, I thought he was going to have a heart attack, Mm. And 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 he said, "You read a book? Okay, that's cool. I lived it. So you're like twenty something. What do you know?" And then for a bonus, my mom nearly slapped the taste out of my mouth for correcting my grandparent. So you've really got to pick your battles, <laughs> and you got to respect your elders.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is a cross cultural thing. Words. Elders have a certain authority, and you can't really get into it with them too much. And it's also much harder to cement someone when their ways have been set for. Sixty years,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if it, if it's been working the way it's worked for them for seventy years, they are not going to change it for the last ten to twenty. It is just that, like at that point, you got to pick your battles on that one. And I, I think that this point also emphasizes a perspective of humility, because my my grandfather was right. He he was there. He lived it. Like he saw it. Who cares what I read in a three hundred page book? He lived it. So I think that on some things, especially if you're going to take a historical angle with your political discussion, be aware that obviously, you know, the target audience for this show is late teens, early 20s. You haven't done a whole lot of living. (laughs) That might sound (laughs) really old when I say that. But if you're talking with somebody who's several decades older than you, they're going to win on the experience front. So, I mean, and that and that might be where, you know, asking comes into play. Like, what was it like when you lived through that or whatever it was? Yeah. Just don't be disrespectful Perfect. about it and be like, so when the dinosaurs are, were around, <laughs> what was that like? Did you meet Jesus? Is he in your yearbook? <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> but, Zach, you, you mentioned a great point of knowing when to pick your battles, which leads me to my last point that I am going to call knowing when to fold them. And some battles just can't be won. Some family members absolutely refuse to lose. If Uncle Gary chooses the nuclear route and he's decided to goad me into misspeaking or egging me into a fist, tie, a fist fight, pardon me, it's time to bow out. And that's usually when I hit him with a phrase like, Uncle Gary, at the end of the day, it's okay if we don't agree because I love you and I don't want to talk about this anymore. Now, please hand me the rest of that pumpkin pie because I'm finna make a mess out of it. <laughs> So, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're discussing a topic like this pretty intimately with someone, you have to know them to some degree. I think to know them implies that you care because that's not just about the topic, but about the person that you're discussing it with. And just remember at the end of the day, the big picture is you care about that person. They care about you. Who cares what's going on at the border or in the Middle East? Because at the end of the day, have got each other as corny as that sounds. And that's what matters most of all.
0: Yeah, it's important to know know the limits of. How much? How much damage are you willing to put into your this relationship to prove a point?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like how? How much? Like what is it worth to you? And like, as I was reading through a lot of these articles, it was so sad because it was a lot of people being like, "Oh well, my friend who I went to elementary school with 50 years ago assumed that I thought X about Y and hasn't talked to me since 2016." Or my brother and I don't see eye to eye politically, and so we have not talked in ten years. And I'm like, is it really worth it, like, to be that mad at somebody for your opinion yeah. on a politician or, or really any political or social issue? Like, is that really worth like losing years of your life over? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think it is. The polarization can really do a lot of damage to our society. And right.
0: You got, you got to make sure you don't damage your own personal relationships.
1: When I, I even think of my own friends that I've lost either just by being a jerk in a political discussion or maybe they were being a jerk and I just didn't know how to cut it off. Like I was the Uncle Gary here. I absolutely had to win and had to keep egging them on. And it is it's absolutely cheesy as it sounds. There are times when I sit alone in the living room and I'm like, man, it would be really cool if I'm still able to text them or invite them over to hang out. But no, I had to go and be an ass about some random political issue that will be around long after I'm dead and lost a friend for it. Yeah. It's just one of those where yeah, you gotta know when to hold them and you gotta know when to fold them and if you don't know which one to do, it's just easier to fold them and walk away. Can I throw in one extra topic? I Yeah, I, I absolutely.
0: Use? So one strategy I use to understand people of different opinions of myself is I think of my, my opinion, I form it and I think why I have it and then I try to think what is the inverse opinion of what I have, mm-hmm. and try to understand why they got to that, why they have that opinion, and how they got to that conclusion, and that why that's like that is making up with. So always, oh yeah, I'm always trying to think of the across the spectrum. Why, what is, what is different?
1: It's like when the teacher like when you don't do it the way she does it, but you get the same answer, and she's like, "How did you? how you that? you get that, <laughs> <laughs> you get that yeah. answer?" <laughs> Excellent, I love that. Well, if you take nothing else away from this episode, let it be that politics can make any holiday or family gathering even more stressful than it already is. And if you're a good sport, if you're willing to listen, and you can keep the bigger picture in mind, then you'll have really all the tools that you need to navigate even the spookiest of political conversations. So let's talk about some action steps for this week. My recommended action step is to check out Braver Angels. I know I've plugged them a couple different times, but this article is really, or this episode, pardon me, is really their meat and potatoes. They're a nonprofit that aims to bring together Americans across the political divide and strengthen our democratic republic. I volunteered with them all throughout college, and they genuinely have helped me master bipartisan dialogue. I cannot credit those guys enough. Again, we're not sponsored, but... I, I I love Braver Angels. I think that every young person before you're allowed to register to vote should have to sit through a Braver Angels seminar because they like make you role play as the opposite of your political ideology with somebody else who's role playing with the opposite of their political ideology, and you have to like convincingly argue the opposite ideology to give you a better idea of why somebody would feel the way they do. I could go on forever. But <laughs> if you go to braverangels.org, you can go down that rabbit hole on your own. Definitely check out BraverAngels at braverangels.org. I would
0: suggest checking out grand news and checking where you're bursting your own political bubble a little bit, seeing where how the news is reported on your side and how it's being reported on the other side and what news you're missing from outlets you don't look at.
1: Our list there's Email us with your thoughts, pretty please. Our email as is info at greenteapartyradio.com. And again, thank you for listening to Green Tea Party Radio. A very special thank you to all of our patrons. We absolutely could not do this without you. And this is the, the part of the show where I love to thank all the folks who make this possible, not just Zach and Hannah, but our producer and all of our patrons who have been with us from the very beginning of this project. Y'all, y'all have really made this a lot easier than it normally would be. This is a pretty challenging feat to, you know, just strike out there and decide to make your own show. <laughs> so, for all of y'all who have shared our stuff, who've emailed us, who've subscribed to our Patreon, who have reached out on our social media, each and every one of y'all have reaffirmed that we're making a good decision. We're reaching people. So, again, we couldn't do this without you, and we're super-duper thankful to everybody who's made this possible.
0: Yeah, and if you're interested in getting early access to episodes as well as Green Tea Party Radio merch, check us out at GreenTeaPartyRadio.com. If you have feedback, please, we want your opinion. We want to know what you're thinking and how we should improve. And you can tell us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok.
1: Just so you know, this is our passion project. We do not have any organizational sponsor. Nobody's funneling us money under the table. And if they are, I'm not getting a share. So we're (laughs) this is not a a George Soros-founded project but we're building a movement because we want the world to know that conservatives have really important things to say about climate.
0: Yeah. And if you want to hear our show on your college radio station, email us at info at and give us the details about your campus and your radio station. My email again is info at We would love to get on your college radio station.
1: Thanks Thank you for everybody listening. so much again. Thank you.
0: Conservative and concerned about climate change, you're not alone. My name is Chelsea Henderson, and I host RepublicEN.org's EcoRight Speaks, bringing you weekly guest interviews and stories. John Kasich, Christine Todd Whitman, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, meteorologist Marshall Shepard. Each week, we have a conversation with an EcoRight leader, bringing you information, opinions, personal stories, and much, much more. Download, listen, subscribe and join us each week on the Eco Right Speaks